Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Comedy. I'm Greg, host and curator of all the shows on Indie Drop-In Network. Every week, I find an episode I think you will love from an independent podcast creator. If you like what I do here, you can send me a tip at buymeacoffee.com forward slash indie drop in. Today's episode is from Space Castle. Space Castle is your clubhouse for all things nerdy, debating, arguing, and dissecting pop culture with insight, humor, and a little bit of nonsense. If you like today's episode from Space Castle, make sure to check out the show notes for links to subscribe and follow on social media. Enjoy the show. Begin. This is the flight director. We can launch status check. Go flight. CLCDR check. All stations are manned and systems are ready. Give me a go, no go for launch. Talker. Roger, Telemetry. Go flight. FSE. Roger, Rope one. That is a go. Capcom. Oh, you can. Navigation. Uh, navigation. Oh, uh, uh. Welcome to Space Castle, your clubhouse and ours for all things nerdy. I am Seth. I'm DT. And I'm Alex. Um, so guys, I, uh, I've been thinking a little bit about, uh, hipsters. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I have recently, not recently, I've about a year ago, I moved up to Seattle, which is arguably one of the most hipster places in the world. Um, and yeah, when I was growing up, uh, you know, in middle school and high school, I used to talk trash about hipsters all the time, right? Like make those, those jokes of, oh, I used to. I used to know this band before they were cool, and I like my lattes cold brew or whatever, right? Whatever cliche joke you might make. And um, <laughs> then as I grew up, I realized I've lived long enough to see myself become the bad guy because I am <laughs> like <laughs> eleven percent. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am super hipster in this, like you know, quote unquote terms, right? I'm a I'm a web developer. I've got a beard, I wear hoodies, I've got logo tees, like I've got the whole spiel going on. I, I carry my MacBook that's covered in stickers. You know that you know, you get it. You're telling me my rock my rock climbing friend with the bearded beanie wearing rock climbing friend yeah. who lives in Seattle is a hipster? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, surprise. And I was thinking about it, it's like uh I don't 
like I don't really know people that identify as hipsters. I don't, and I, I do, so here's my thing, is I am questioning whether or not the term hipster is even a thing now. Is it applicable? Because there's so much content that like everybody knows everything before it's cool because there's so much to know, like obviously. And like, so I don't think that hipster is really like a thing anymore. Yeah, uh, I live just south of Denver. Again, one of the most hipster cities in the US, if not the world. Uh, I have got a beard. I'm literally wearing a hoodie right now, and I'm literally drinking a craft IPA <laughs> with hints of mango and orange. Like, no, I'm not. And I'm drinking it out of a fucking local brewery glass with Chewbacca on the side of it. Are, so, are we the baddies? Yeah. <laughs> are we the baddies? <laughs> I think, I think, uh, I think, yeah, all, all signs point to yes in that sense. <laughs> I think it's semantics. I think, I think, like, at the end of the day, you know, a hipster is always, if you, if you look at a definition term, like a hipster is always the person that is doing the subversive thing that is a step ahead of the game in terms of what their interests are, or they're, they're quote unquote outsiders in terms of like what their interests are and uh, how they approach their view to the world. But there was a time where hipster was like codified. I feel like, and especially when I was in college, it was like a hipster is somebody who like wears flannel and, drinks PBR and, and or craft beer and has like a, a handlebar or a curly mustache and uh, bikes everywhere, you know, has listens to Mumford and Sons. Yeah. Like it, it was a weird, <laughs> it was a weird time. Um, but yeah, I think it was like a, it was codified. I don't know. I don't know if you guys had that same experience. Definitely. Yeah. Um, my, my question is, is like, we, we, I mean, we're at a point in pop culture and culture in general, where like if you were a kid in grade school and you came to school wearing a, like a Spider-Man t-shirt and you were really into like comic books and stuff like that, like you were the class nerd, like you were just, everybody was going to dunk on you. And now everybody in the world fucking loves Marvel movies and is like wearing mm-hmm. like Iron Man t-shirts and shit. So that sort of definition of the nerd is now gone because everybody is one. But my thought is like, Everything that me being like a, like a young adult and a teenager, when I got called a hipster for shit, it's now all the stuff that everybody else is into now, like craft beer and like folk rock and like underground music and shit like that. So are hipsters even a thing anymore? Because now kind of everybody is a hipster. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know? it's cool to like be more upfront about your interests now because you're going to catch less flack about like, being really explicit now with social media, I think in particular, since everybody's sort of broadcasting what they're into and what their opinions are, we have less of the, Oh, that's a bad take. Well, oh, and actually I take that back. We do need to tell people when it's a bad take, but we have <laughs> less of a, your interests are garbage because people are held accountable for that. Like if you tell somebody that their interests are bad, it's like, that is a bad take. Yeah. You shouldn't be doing that. So I, I think like people are just more confident nowadays to uh to say what they're interested in and it you know kind of eliminates the need for a, a proper hipster uh because you know we're all just doing our thing and you know uh jumping in on the things that that give us joy and bring us happiness so yeah. i don't know i think it's it has become uh i don't know cool or just acceptable to have unguarded enthusiasm for things and that kind of eliminates the hipsterism of the whole pop culture is because like a lot of the the quote hipsters were, 
you know, trying to be either elitist or um, uh, some kind of segregation in that they were a fan of a thing before other people were fans of things. And now because other people like that thing, they don't like it because it's not like it's cool and therefore mm-hmm. not cool. Oh, for so, sure. And I think that now that people are just, uh, you know, explicit about the things they're enthusiastic about, they can be unabashedly excited about a thing and nobody ridicules them for being excited about a thing. Or, I mean, people still do, but it's much, much less common. Um, you don't get hipsters anymore because who cares if you care about this thing? I have my own things that I care about. I don't need to be bothered about like your underground band. I like my own underground bands. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you ran into plenty of people though that, or at least I did where they're like, I have a, an elevated sense of, of society. And I, I, I rage against the zeitgeist and I just don't want to be I'm a nonconformist. That was the thing that was like the badge of honor for the hipster. And I don't think that really applies anymore. I mean, I'm sure yeah. there's still people that are like that, but it's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't get into that much unless I go to a, like a, a barbecue and it's all Bud Light and I, I just want a nice beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? But have you, have you been called in recent times a hipster for being super into craft beer like that? Like, uh, not, not into, not in the most like recent years, like in college, I, I kind of was because, you know, I, I've hung around a lot of people that preferred to drink those domestics. And I would be like mm-hmm. the one guy coming to the party with a four pack of tower station that cost about twice as much as, as their six pack. <laughs> and they're like, why would you get this? And I'm like, cause it, cause of the taste matters to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. So it, it hasn't really been since then, but I think about like that scene in, uh, in the new reboot of 21 jump street with Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill, where they walk into school for the first time and Channing Tatum is like trying to front, like he knows exactly how to be cool and get in with the popular kids. And he ends up making a complete ass of himself because he's like, a, he's a dick to everyone. Like everybody's into like recycling. now. Yeah, right. Exactly. They're all into recycling. So the cool kids are the ones that are like the nerdy kids before. And I thought that was yeah. just really smart and sort of subversive in yeah. terms of how, what they did. But And um, like a shockingly accurate depiction too. Yeah, no, it's true. It's like, you know, the, the cool kids are the ones, I mean, I remember meeting, um, cause my wife works with, with teenagers and, uh, you know, I volunteer sometimes with them and, um, I met some of these, the, these kids that were just very forthright about like their interests and seemed like the prototypical nerds from when I was in high school. And it turns out like class president, prom king, you know, and that's, that's awesome. Like, I'm, I'm glad to see that. I'm glad to see that that's sort of where we've transitioned to that people can just be friendly and outgoing and not feel weird about their interests. I don't know. I'm, I'm steering away from, <laughs> from what is a hipster, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, we see a lot in pop culture now, too. I mean, you look at the recent Spider-Man movies, uh, like the Sam Raimi movie, like Flash Thompson, you know, the school bully was that big, burly, you know, jock kid who, you know, beat kids up and harassed them and whatnot. And in uh, in the most recent Marvel movies, like um, Homecoming, that same character, Flash Thompson, is now the kid with, like, the podcast and the live stream. And, like, he's, like... He's like the nerdy kid, but he's like super hip. So he's cool with it and everybody else. And now he's not the bully, not because he's bigger and stronger or meaner, but just because he's just more, I don't want to say cultured, but he's on the cusp of what's hip. It's, it's such a weird shift just within like the last 15, 20 years. And he has a larger reach, you know, it's the same thing with being the popular kid in the high school. He's still mm-hmm. a popular kid because he can influence the most people. So he's yeah. a yeah. nat- natural bully anyway. 
And we're kind of seeing that is I think the rise of hipsterism was uh, kind of a response to, um, you know, a explosion in global communications where it was it was cool to know a band that had zero followers, right? Or had only produced EPs on cassette tapes and that was it. And that and now because that was like uh you know everybody is aware of the mainstream stuff because it's mainstream and it's everywhere. So it was cool to know of tiny things that people didn't know about. But now that we've kind of made it through the transition of global communication and now we are a global society and uh, you know, we have generations now that are growing up that have never known a time without global communications, um, you know, without the internet, it, we've come over the other side of that hump where the interesting thing about the world isn't that anybody can talk to anybody and see what weather it is in China. That's not interesting anymore. And therefore, like, it's not interesting to be a part of that anymore. Um Whereas, and I think that's kind of why we don't see hipsters quite so much, or at least in the same vein, is because it's not cool to know about hidden gems anymore because it's accessible. that's not like, yeah, that's, that's not like a thing. Anybody can go on YouTube and find a video with one view and haha, I did it. I'm hipster now. You know, <laughs> right, I just think yeah. it's, it's an archetype now. Like if I think about what a hipster is now, instead of it being like a, a definition of somebody who's like thinking outside of the cultural norm it's somebody that like like i would characterize a a like goth person or like you would in high school like a jock or something like that Mm -hmm. a hipster to me is somebody who like wore flannel in college and listened to the head and the heart (laughs) yeah right and like bought red stripe because like they could stomach it but it wasn't the it wasn't a domestic and it wasn't an expensive craft beer that like always had 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 their right gene leg rolled up because they biked everywhere that that to me like if i think about what a hipster is you yeah. see it because I, I live sort of close to the um campus and it's like you see it every now and then i'm like oh look a hipster <laughs> but obviously they don't it doesn't apply like totally. they just have that aesthetic it's an aesthetic now instead of it being like a, an actual thing exactly i was gonna say the exact same thing it, it is definitely an aesthetic now instead of like a lifestyle I mean, it still kind of is. But, but you guys you guys still see people in the street and you're like, oh, that guy's a hipster. Like when I see du- uh, like a dude wearing like a like the paper boy cap and like the, the wax mustache, I'm like, all right, that guy's got style. Yeah, I, I don't, don't think yeah. like, wow, that guy's probably fucking obnoxious. Like the, like the stereotypical hipster, like the, the stigma that you no, know, hung around for yeah, so long. No, I don't like see that, that anymore. I, right. I, I don't make assumptions based on appearance ever i try not to yeah like and that's the moral of this episode (laughs) there you go thank you for coming to our ted talk (laughs) this is this has been the space castle your clubhouse and ours for all things nerdy (laughs) Um, yeah but no i I don't i don't make uh, assumptions so i don't know i I mentioned the thing about the campus because like it's an aesthetic that's my point that i'm trying to get across is that some people uh you know that's just uh, a way that they decide to sort of carry themselves or put forward that that sort of uh broadcast that i guess i don't know and I find myself these days, maybe it's because I'm getting older, but maybe it's just a response to the world is like, I don't f- fucking care. Like, <laughs> okay, you see a guy who's got a handlebar mustache and a flannel and, you know, is riding his bike around town. Like, great. Uh, I'm sure he is fit and enjoys beer 
cool the world is on fire like i don't give a shit about your style or like <laughs> what what you're into like cool just don't hurt people and like let's fix our planet you can like you can like your underground band that only has two songs and you're the only person that ever listens to them great i'm sure yeah. it's enjoyable for you but it's it's just super weird to me that there was a point in time in recent time where people who were like that were avoided and treated as being like snobs yeah it's like now it's like, oh, you like Black Joe Lewis and Honey Bears and you can recommend me a good IPA from here in town. Let's go fucking hang out. Yeah, like, hang out oh, yeah. God. Oh, God, you fucking hipster. Like, I don't care about your underground music. Like, get away from me. You fucking stop. Like, it's so weird that we just we go through spurts as a society where we punish people for for going yeah. outside the norm well, and looking for cool, new, interesting things and being on the cusp of that and wanting to share with it. And there are obnoxious hipsters. Let's be honest. There are guys who, who value their tastes. And think they're superior to others, but I do think that that's becoming fewer and farther between because everybody's a hipster now. There's no superiority. Let's just make it like a fucking community and share good shit. Yeah, and I think what we're seeing now is the the people that are going counterculture and um, you know trying to be underground and hidden stuff is like QAnon and stuff, and nobody wants to be associated or a part of that so like the 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 counterculturism is uh you know genuinely bad now it's not like bad taste well it's tainted by the problematic radicals yeah i mean you mm. there there is something we said about being counterculture and kind of having your own viewpoint that doesn't you know jive with what everybody is is believing and seeing and uh participating in but definitely there are problematic things like QAnon yeah. that uh, should should really be um, ostracized and kicked kicked out of that. Yeah, um, I don't know. I thought originally that the, my view of hipsterism changed because I became an adult, like I left college, um, and I realized like we're all just humans trying to do the thing and survive. But I in college I had the uh, well the uh, sort of unique situation where I was like working in a coffee shop but involved in Greek life. And there were these two parties of really hipster people and then complete opposite of your prototypical hipster. And both parties seemed to dislike each other for those various reasons. So there was an yeah. elitism on the one side of the hipsters, quote unquote hipsters. And on the other side, there was the, well, I don't want to be around those people because, you know, they're just going to be pretentious and whatever they like, their their underground bands. Yeah, you've got a, a unique perspective, Alex, because... I mean, I can't speak for Seth, but me as a kid, I was a total nerd, like Nintendo, comic books, like Spider-Man, Star Wars, all that shit. And then as I became like a young adult, I went to film school and I loved like art films and like subtitle films and craft beer and cool shit like that. And you have always walked the line between enjoying those same types of movies and, and whatnot. Uh, craft beer, you're obviously a super creative person. But at the same time, like you lived the Greek life, like you were the president of your your chapter of your fraternity. Mm -hmm. uh, you were an athlete. You were a student athlete in high school. So you've you've kind of existed in both of those worlds. So your perspective of being both inside and outside is is super super interesting to me. Yeah, it, it was. It's it's always been kind of strange. I always think about that Starburst commercial, like the contradiction. Um, the uh, I, I don't know. I I don't really feel like I'm special by any means i'm I, there are many people that have walked that same line oh you're special that are yeah oh, <laughs> oh thanks thank you please continue to extol my many virtues you're uh, so handsome too oh my goodness oh keep yeah. going this yeah. is great at least a nine out of ten 
I like your I like your t-shirt. That's a that's a really nice t-shirt. Was that Hanes? <laughs> yeah, it's some design. It's some designer shit you're gonna drop on us right now. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> <hipster>. uh, <laughs> it's actually imported European. Uh, oh my um, goodness! You you have a good work ethic. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is great, guys. I love where the, I love the turn this episode is taking. Um, I wish this was video because your smile just lights up a room. Oh, guys. You're going to make it hard to be humble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you're a true hipster. Yeah. <laughs> hey, nailed it. All right. Uh, this has been Space Castle. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Okay. Okay. So I think, I think hipsters as an, uh, as an idea are going away. It's becoming an aesthetic and an archetype, right? And I think that is because our global po- fully connected world now like it is not uncommon knowledge to think about people complexly and realize that each pe- each person likes what they like and everybody has their own interests and people are complicated and i think that has become culturally like a cultural norm where people know that other people are complicated and have shit that they're into yes so we don't get this like dichotomy and like weird segregation of of you know the nerds and the not nerds. And I think people are all realizing that like everybody's a little nerdy about something. And that might be fantasy football. That might be craft brewing. That might be sewing who like, who knows? Everybody has interests and everybody's complicated. And I think that's becoming normal to, to know. Yeah. I think it's an extension of the like basic human principle of empathy. Like we, we need to understand and value each other's sort of, personal endeavors but beyond just like what you what you believe in uh into sort of what your interests are and whatever like if you if you're that person that's really hyped on sewing or 3d printing or whatever like that's great cool um we might not have that same interest but i can still talk to you about it we can still sort of uh geek out about our own individual things with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I mean, I'm of the mind now where if you've got an unusual interest that I know nothing about, fucking teach me about that shit. I want to know about it. Right. Uh, we did an episode about YouTube and getting back to that, uh, I actively seek out YouTube channels that don't um, like line up with what I know how to do or my personal interest because I want to learn more about shit that I don't like other people doing. Our own Seth is like a younger version of Adam Savage where he's mm. this amazing creator. And I'm always interested in learning about what he's building or creating or 3D printing or resining or whatever. <laughs> like when he pops into or like our pregame chats or like our, our weekly like check-ins and he's at his workshop. I'm like, what are you fucking working on, dude? Like, yes. I wish he would do a YouTube channel where he's just like, here's how I make fucking dice for D&D because that shit's awesome. Yeah. Go on. Continue. <laughs> uh, you, your smile lights up a room. <laughs> your beard is looking immaculate and very full and very uh, dwarf-like. I really like it. Yeah. <laughs> I too enjoy the turn that this podcast has taken. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, maybe someday we'll do me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
But uh, I think that covers it. I think we just kind of rolled in our final thoughts on the subject. Yeah. Uh, last time, last episode, we promised we were going to do an extra uh, listener question because we kind of, you know, three horrible fucking movie fan hipsters. We ran over time talking about movies. Uh, Seth, do you have a good listener question for us? Yeah, man, I do have a, an audience question for you. And I'm going to start with perhaps a, a real good segue, right? Let's talk about some hipster stuff. Okay. Is a live album better than a studio album? Oh, shit. <sighs> Interesting. Okay, who sent in that question so we can, we can be sure to plug them? That was sent in by Alex. Alex. So thank you, Alex. Yeah. Not our Alex, a different Alex, <laughs> different I'm <Alex>. assuming. <laughs> oh, what's better, live albums or studio albums? I'm of two minds. Do one of you guys want to go first? If not, I can talk for like 45 minutes on a subject. Mm, I've got thoughts. Yeah, I have I have a very non-hipster answer to this in that Oh shit, all right. I think I think studio albums are better. Mm. Because like I I prefer live music, but if I'm going to like listen to music, I want like the the studio version i want to be able to sing along or just really enjoy the mastering or whatever right i just want to enjoy the music i'm here to listen to the music not like pretend like i'm at a show hmm i'm i'm kind of with you a little bit i i think it depends on the music style for me um i i there's certain genres that i prefer to hear live but uh, i usually prefer the more polished version but I, I, that's countered by specific songs. Like I'll listen to a band, love the studio album, and then I'll listen to a live version of one of the songs, and I'll love that much more than what I hear in the studio version. Um, and I've did, I've done the opposite too, where I've listened to a live version of of a song and really, you know, just really dug that that particular rendition, and then listened to their studio version of that same song and thought this is like uh, this is meh, doesn't quite do it. Happens with mahogany sessions, and I'll come back to that in a second. But DT, tell us your thoughts. Uh, I, I mean, I'm kind of of two minds on the subject too. Uh, I, I don't want to say that the studio version is like the definitive version of a song because there are, there are multiple songs where I think the live version is better than the studio version, just because whatever the, the musicians, whatever the band was feeling at the time came through when they were performing that. Um, I'm a huge white stripes fan. That's one of my favorite bands of all time. And they have an uh, their live album, which is, I think, the last recording they ever did before they actually broke up. And it's called Under Great White Northern Lights. And, I mean, Jack White's, well, the, the White Stripes, Megan and Jack White, their style of music lends itself so well towards live performances because it's so raw and, and bare bones and minimalist that it translates super well. But they were also, like, notorious for never, ever having, a, like, a set list. Um whenever they would play live, like they would just, I think, I think they would just actually just maybe like pregame, like before they went on stage. But um, the way they played off each other so well, they were able to quickly transition from one song to the other, or they were really famous for playing a song, getting halfway through a song, transitioning to another song, and then almost like a bridge, and then coming right back and finishing off that like combo with like the end of the original song. Oh, that's cool. Um, So Great White Northern Lights is full of that shit where Jack White is just, going goddamn berserk on like his piano and his guitar and his vocals. And he's just having a blast and it's chaotic and insane. And there are some versions of songs on that album that I think are the definitive versions. Nice. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough for me because I don't know. I love live music. It's one of my big passions. Maybe that makes me a hipster. I don't know. 
But uh, I don't know. I I, I kind of think that like the live album is a good starting off point, and if a band is really good, then their live music should be just as good, if not better, because it comes with more emotion. They're not in a sterile mm-hmm. environment. They're up there feeding off the energy of the crowd, doing whatever the fuck they want to do with that song, and just tearing yeah. it up and and hopefully enjoying themselves. And I think that carries through if the band knows what they're doing and they're having fun. So yeah, I think the purity of the live performance is something to be admired, and absolutely my favorite way to take in music. But if I'm yeah. listening on like a daily basis, I would prefer to listen to the polished version. And I think Seth sort of touched on it a little bit, but that the like the mastery of you know editing properly and kind of getting a, a grip on that is also really impressive. But I obviously what we're celebrating here with listening to this music is the the music itself and the music and mm-hmm. their their art so yeah you know the, i was talking about mahogany sessions earlier just because that's an example of i find a lot of times the bands that i hear on that channel uh which is it, it it's i think it's based primarily out of the uk but they bring in a lot of uh famous faces that you've you've seen in some lesser known uh english singer songwriters um some big names like hosier and um Bastille and some some folks like that, but there there are versions of songs like there's a, a Liverpudlian band called Clean Cut Kid that does a song called Runaway that I just thought was so much better with the Mahogany Sessions version than the studio version. So you know I I love that because they were like in the moment and just really really jiving with one another and I don't know making good stuff. So if I'm not super familiar with Mahogany Sessions, but if I am contextualizing properly, it seems like a middle ground where it's like it is in a studio but it's like a live session in the studio they're not actually in a studio they record like out anywhere so they'll be like on a rooftop or in a park or on a boat somewhere oh i see um, okay which is cool it's yeah, that really is... great cinematography excellent quality so it is produced um and kind of polished up after the fact because it you know it's for a youtube channel but you know it's it's still you know they're capturing a live performance so I guess it is a middle ground, though. I'll have to check out more of those. Yeah. Uh, interesting aside, uh, Rage Against the Machine uh, used to record all their albums uh, essentially live. So it wasn't like you had like Tom Morello and Brad Wilk, uh, Tim Comerford, and Zach De La Rocha in like, in like individual booths. They would actually like wire up, mic up, and actually like they record songs all three or all four of them at the same time in the same space. Cool. Which is pretty dope. I think the Beatles used to do it the same yeah. way too. Yeah. But um, you could feel that energy. So it's like the middle ground between a studio album because obviously the tracks are isolated after the fact. They're remixed and everything is kind of engineered to be as, as clean and as, as good as possible. But bands who record that way, like being the middle ground between studio and live, I think you can feel that energy too. Like mm-hmm. you can you can feel like... Zach De La Rocha was not standing in a booth with his hands over his cans, like screaming into a microphone. He was stomping around, jumping around, like rocking out with his with his bandmates. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's a reason that live performances are still the best. Mm-hmm. It's the best way to consume music. It's one of the better ways to consume, um, you know, storytelling in the in theater, plays and and things like that. It there's a reason that it is like that, and that that energy carries over. And that's something that I think is. Uh, you know, maybe a, a, a fault of me and my own listening experience. And that's like, um, I don't like, I don't really get that same energy on like when I'm listening to a live version of an album, it, that, that energy from the show, even like there's, there's tons of metal bands that I love that I have seen live and their live albums and live songs. I don't get the same energy that I did while I was there. So 
maybe that's just me not really you know picking up the energy that's being put down on a live album but that's i think that's why i don't like them as much is because being at a live show has this like visceral nature to it that i do not get at all in a live album and instead i just get like kind of a worse recording of most songs and some songs are better because they've changed for the live version but most of the time it's just not as good i think some people respond really well to that feeling of like oh what would have been like to be at that live performance from a live album and i mostly get like fomo (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally Uh, or whatever the the retroactive version of that is where it's like oh man i really wish i'd been there for this recording that would have been sick there's there's an album um from august burns red that it's a live album and i was actually at a show when they performed that album and even remembering what it was like to like listen to this exact song while i was there being recorded is not it doesn't do it for me all i do is like miss being there and it's it's not i don't get like excited about it anymore cool so that i think that's just a personal thing but that's i mean i think we I think we've we've thoroughly sort of dissected this. I don't know. <laughs> so we've got another audience question, but first uh, I want to talk about today's sponsor, and then also we've got a deep cut to get to. Our sponsor is Mark Rober's Glitter Bomb because we're all very cognizant of the porch pirates that are wandering around with their mischief and and uh, terrible thievery. DT has experienced this firsthand. So uh, if you're unfamiliar with Mark Rober's Glitter Bomb, uh, this is a former NASA engineer who created a device that tracks and sort of uh, non-lethally, non-aggressively assaults <laughs> um, thieve, thieves with glitter and fart spray via a box that is uh, not only being tracked, but recorded at all times. So um, it's just an amazing device and really fascinating to see. Uh, you can find that on Mark Rober's YouTube channel. But tell me about tell me about why this would be beneficial uh, for you, DT. Yeah, I've got a fucking grudge. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so uh, we, we talked about a previous episode of how I subscribe to a, a meal kit service. And I've been really enjoying it. And uh, I've been looking forward to Mondays when my package arrives and I get to go home after work and pick it up and, and start co- start cooking some good shit. And uh, I get the notification with the email with the photo of the, the package on my doorstep. And I get home and there's no package. Mm. So I contact the delivery company. Like, yeah, no, here's a photo of, of, the, of the package being delivered. Like, we delivered it. We're afraid it might have been stolen. And yeah. So somebody <laughs> stole raw meat and uncooked vegetables off my doorstep. God. And this is not the first time this has happened to me. I actually had uh, a $3 mouse pad from Amazon stolen from me as well. <laughs> so I'm, I'm seriously tempted to uh, to reach out to uh, to this service, this it's unofficial sponsor of ours this week, and maybe procure one of their packages. I won't actually <laughs> see the aftermath, but I'm thinking about maybe getting maybe next time I get my delivery, taking all the good shit out of it, maybe loading up this glitter bomb onto it, leaving it on my doorstep, and just leaving a nice happy surprise for some motherfucker who's stealing my groceries for the week. Let's get to the uh, those doorbell devices that that have video capabilities are becoming more com- commercially available. But um, co- you know, combining that with today's sponsor, I think you've got a pretty good defense. Uh, I think so. Yeah, and I'm actually kind of thinking about picking up another sponsor, Ring, <laughs> Ring, because <laughs> you can buy those, and now you can. Because I live in an apartment, and uh, you have to install Ring by like drilling it into like the door frame or the the wall next to your door or whatever. 
But on Amazon, you can actually buy brackets that hook onto your door and secure the camera unit without hmm. like it's it's an uninvasive installation. So I might look into that as well. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I didn't know you could do that. That's excellent. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You put the camera unit inside the bracket and the bracket just uh, tightens with a clamp onto the inside of your door. So the camera can't be stolen. The clamp can't be stolen, but it's also like motion tracking. So next time I leave something on my doorstep or something gets delivered onto my doorstep, I will be able to see who's taking it and uh, have video evidence, which the cops will probably not be able to do anything with. But <laughs> yeah. it's more of a deterrent than an actual like, like you know, yeah. You can put it on YouTube and shame them forever. Yes. Maybe I'll do that. Yeah. Sounds like a great secondary sponsor, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we've got Mark Rober's glitter bomb and ring. Yeah. We should reiterate that these are unofficial sponsors. Yeah. Uh, if you would like to sponsor us, Seth, do you want to tell them how they can reach us about sponsoring this up and coming hipster podcast? What an <laughs> excellent, excellent segue. Thank you. Yeah. You can reach out to us on Twitter if you want um, at Space Castle Pod. If you want a slightly more official channel, you can send an email to spacecastlepodcast at gmail.com. And uh, that's also the way to reach us if you want to uh, have a question answered by us. All right, Seth, you've got this week's deep cut. Is that correct? Yes, I do. And I'm following your lead and I'm kind of continuing with the same style of deep cut that I did last time. And that is another YouTube channel. Nice. Um, this one's not quite as small as Sof's Notes, but um, he, he has extremely exploded recently. Um, his the channel name is just his name, and that is Zach Friedman. Um, he runs like a maker YouTube channel. Um, he now has 166,000 subscribers as of recording, and that will definitely change before we post because in the last two months he's gone from like 15,000 to 160. So he's exploded very recently. Good for him. That's um, rad. Yeah, yeah, that's great. He totally deserves it, man. He works really hard, and he's a really cool guy. Um, but what really draws me, aside from the maker stuff, because that's most of my YouTube subscribe feed, um, his his brand of comedy is just just top notch. Not only is he full of puns, which are excellent, his jokes are also just super funny. Uh, just actual original jokes are hilarious, um, and he does a, a lot of really awesome videos. Um, he's he's very much a a problem solving kind of maker so he's not just making stuff because it's good content he um is like a professional prototype engineer before he started his youtube channel so he still has that like i have a problem and i need to solve it and i'm going to make a solution for that problem and then he just makes a video out of it basically um but he does do a few random weird stuff like he did a, an irl among us build where he built out a lot of the like challenges from among us which That's is a video awesome. game which is excellent and he like ran around his studio and like did it and it was very funny and and it was very good um so he does a lot of cool stuff like that but he also does things like um he wears a a, a wearable like eye computer in every one of his videos and he talks about it and it's not just like to be nerdy he actually uses it as his teleprompter for the scripts for his videos um which is like the only way he can make it through a video basically without rambling all the time. So he talks about that and like, that's another solution that he, um, you know, hardware hacked and part invented and, and made work because he needed to be able to make a YouTube video in less than like four days. He's all about solving problems. He has a, a couple videos where he's like, we are going to teach you how to build a project in a weekend 
And that's that. If you, if it's not done in a weekend, you're throwing it away. And like it, he has like a very like solution oriented maker channel, which is just excellent. But I'm really there for the jokes to be fair, (laughs) because they're very good. I love that. Um, yeah. So that's, that's Zach Friedman, uh, Z-A-C-K Friedman on YouTube. You can also find it by searching void star lab, which is what he's called his workshop space. Excellent guy. Really great YouTube channel. Really like genuine comedy and, and, and content for sure. Cool, man. I'm going to subscribe and like, and hit that bell right now. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. do it. I highly recommend it. Like he, he makes 3d printed nerf blasters and stuff too. So no there's shit. content for lots of people. Yeah. I love it. Rad. Definitely worth a watch. And you never really see all the, all the maker channels. I, I love following maker channels, but you never really see them dip into the comedy aspect, except for like Simone Yatch and some of those guys. I think yeah. They like really just dig into the comedy, but you don't see it very often, you know? So I, I love that. I'm going to, I'm going to scope it out for sure. Super cool. Thanks, Seth. Appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah, dude. Happy. I would like to, I would like to deliver this question. Uh, sent in by Tina. Thank you deeply. Just so deeply. Oh God. Am I, should I be nervous? Yes. <laughs> oh God, Tina, what have you done, Tina? Okay. Um, so do centaur babies nurse from the horse nipples or the human nipples? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need Tina's last name and address. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> my first thought, and I'm so I'm, I'm literally ashamed of myself. Oh, yes, no. we're assuming. God damn it! I shouldn't. <laughs> we're gonna lose any potential sponsorship. Uh, Maximum Fun is never gonna pick us up for this shit. But <laughs> we're assuming both parents were centaurs, right? And it's not a situation where like like a, like a horse like a horse parent and a nope. human parent nope. and a centaur. No. Okay, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Abort. Eject. <laughs> Okay, okay. So centaur mom, centaur dad, centaur baby, yes? Yes. Correct. Yes. Okay. That's okay, the okay. only option. Oh God. Jesus Christ, <laughs> Tina. I'm gonna say the baby would nurse from the human parts, the the breasts. Just because centaurs, in my experience, my, my vast knowledge and experience with centaurs are human of mind and personality and social interaction. They just happen to have horse parts down below their waist. I think centaur babies nurse from the human nipples because centaur babies have human faces. That doesn't prevent you from nursing from the horse part though. (laughs) No, no. Prevent is not the thing. I don't think, I don't think physically being able to reach a horse's nipple is the problem here. It's more just so I can sleep at night. <laughs> How would you swaddle a centaur baby? You wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're digging deep here. <laughs> Do you have to like lasso them first and then swallow them? Like, <laughs> gotta, gotta think so. I gotta think they're up on their feet and ready to roll. I think you, you've got the capabilities of a horse in the mind of a human. So, yep, they're mm. nursing from the human parts. But, and, but, uh, well, we're getting just on topic. But if it's a human brain, like human babies are helpless. When they're first born. So yeah, would a human stupid. brain with horse legs still be able to okay. walk at birth? Or would like but now instinct kicked in? Now we like, have to get into some of the biology here is because if they... <laughs> so human brains are so underdeveloped because they have to be pushed out of a human hel- pelvis, which is very small. But if they're pushed out of a horse pelvis, they can be fully developed. So would they like come out with like language skills? 
and like know oh, how shit. to would they even need to nurse what is because the gestation just, period for a centaur baby is it like two years or something like <laughs> like is that baby gonna pop out and able to talk and like shoot a bow and arrow and like <laughs> tino what have you done fucking- listen guys at the end of the day it, centaurs are taller than horses right so logistically you know it's not going to be it's not going to be the horse parts you know, it's going to be the human parts. That doesn't hold up because horses nurse from adult horses. And if if the baby centaur is is theoretically taller than a horse, if yeah, than a horse baby, then like the baby centaur would be able to reach the necessary equipment, right? So I mean, like the, but isn't this size size matter, size matters here, right? Because oh. would a centaur baby, <laughs> would a centaur's baby's head be like higher than the back of centaur mother? I mean, they could crane their necks. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, yeah, they can. They can probably bend over. I assume centaurs, uh, like, can bend over. We don't really see that anywhere, right? But I assume they can. Like, how would they get stuff off the ground and and stuff? Like, I assume they can bend over. Yeah, or they can like drop down their legs like a horse does. Still, like, <laughs> I think the main issue here is the the social aspect, like. Any sense, any sense of our podcast having some intellectual stimulation has gone up. It's over. We we are either going to explode with this segment and become like the next hit uh, podcast, or we're just fucking done. So either way, thank you, Tina. <laughs> if you if you made a t shirt, if you made a t shirt of this episode, it would be a, a hipster centaur. <laughs> <laughs> hipster centaur babies. Horn rim glasses on the human part. Dibs on that is the name of my hipster folk band. <laughs> hipster centaur babies, yeah. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> I've never seen a female centaur. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on a side topic. Let's talk about centaur foreplay. Which set of nipples? <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing, man. I'm done. I'm Four done. Can no <laughs> yeah, I think that concludes this episode of, of Space Castle. Uh, thank you guys so much for lasting this long with us. <laughs> I've been DT, unfortunately. <laughs> I've been Alex. <laughs> I have been Seth. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you next week if you guys decide to stick around after this. I, I don't blame you. <laughs> Bye. Love you. Thanks again for listening to Comedy by Indie Drop-In. If you would like your show featured, reach out to us at Indie Drop-In on all social media or go to IndieDropIn.com. See you next time.